Center relaunched its annual World Writers Conference, and instantly it became the best conference in the world. Just recently, he has put all of this imaginary, incredible life into a memoir, Joseph Anton, which takes its name from the nom de guerre he adopted in hiding the first names of Joseph Conrad and Anton Chekhov. It is a spirited tale of an emigrant, the memoir of someone who watched the world's battles between East and West move from theory to practice, the autobiography of a man so public we never actually knew him, and finally, importantly, it is the tale of a father. It is, like so many of Rushdie's books, full of sound and fury, but also deeply funny, with cameos made by Graham Greene, Meg Ryan, Allen Ginsberg, a dancing Gunter Grass, Elmore Leonard, Roald Dahl, Catherine Graham, Bono, Thomas Pynchon, Gary Shandling, and yes, William Styron's testicles. <laughs> as well as Mr. Rushdie's um, closer friends, uh, from Bill Buford to Martin Amos, and the people whose loyalty was tested and proven under the most trying of circumstances. Given the wide range of experience crammed into one life, it is fitting that the man we have here to interview, Mr. Rushdie, Sir Salman, Salman, Rushdie, the dude, <laughs> is someone who has demonstrated across five novels and two collections of short fiction an astonishing array of fictional voices an elasticity of language that would be spooky were each and every one of these registers not so gorgeous. Colin McCann. Born in Dublin in 1965, the son of a newspaperman and ex-footballer, Mr. McCann had his own column in the Irish press by the age of 21 and was on the ro road in America shortly thereafter. He has lived and spent time in Texas and Japan and now calls New York City, where he teaches at Hunter College, home. His books include Fishing the Slowback River, Stories, Song Dogs, this Side of Brightness, Everything in This Country must, must, Dancer, Zoli, and Let the Great World Spin, which won the National Book Award and the Impact Prize in Dublin. Transatlantic, his next novel, will be out in June of next year. Please join me in welcoming them to the stage. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. That was um, Mr. John Freeman, Esquire. Uh, the editor of um, Granta magazine, one of the great magazines of our times. And uh, now to kick off the evening, Mr. Salman Rushdie reading from his memoir. Thanks. I, I just wanted to say how much I've over the years appreciated John Freeman's readings of my work and responses to them, you know, and what a great force he is for good in American letters, and how under his editorship, Granta magazine has, seems to have retained, regained that centrality that it had back in the early days when, it was when I started writing for it and when it was edited by Bill Buford from London and when the first two chapters of Midnight's Children were published in Granta 3 without my permission. <laughs> <laughs> And for which, when I pointed out that one was normally paid for such work, um, I was finally paid 15 pounds. <laughs> From that, you know, Grant has come a long way, and, and John has a lot to do with that. I'm going to just read you the beginning. This is, um, this is the beginning of the book. And, uh, and as, uh, as you may or may not know, one of the weird things about the book is, given that it's an autobiography, is that it's written in the third person. Um, if he wants to ask me about that, I'll invent an answer. Uh, anyway, it starts like this. 
afterwards, when the world was exploding around him and the lethal blackbirds were massing on the climbing frame in the school playground. He felt annoyed with himself for forgetting the name of the BBC reporter, a woman who had told him that his old life was over and a new darker existence was about to begin. She had called him at home on his private line without explaining how she got the number. How does it feel, she asked him, to know that you have just been sentenced to death by the Ayatollah Khomeini? It was a sunny Tuesday in London, but the question shut out the light. This is what he said without really knowing what he was saying. It doesn't feel good. This is what he thought. I'm a dead man. He wondered how many days he had left to live and thought the answer was probably a single digit number. He put down the telephone and ran down the stairs from his workroom at the top of the narrow Islington row house where he lived. The living room windows.